Welcome to the GoTo Podcast. Each episode covers the brightest and boldest ideas from the world's leading experts in software development. Tune in for practical lessons, compelling theories, and plenty of inspiration. GoTo gathers the brightest minds in the software community to help developers tackle projects today, plan for tomorrow, and create a better future. Stay up to date with the latest in tech through GoTo's top-rated events held online and in person in cities like Amsterdam, London, Copenhagen, and Chicago, and by subscribing to the GoTo Conference's YouTube channel, where you can find thousands more high-quality dev talks. Learn more at gotopia.tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the GoTo Book Club series. Um, today, I will be your temporary, soon-to-be-sacked host. My name is Chris Williams, uh, and we are going to talk to two amazing authors about a book that's that's coming up for them. But first off, let's do a round of introductions. My name is Chris Williams. I am a cloud therapist and um, principal cloud solutions architect for Worldwide Technologies. Uh, I am also an AWS hero, and I do things with customers. Um, Emily, would you like to go first? Sure. I'm Emily Freeman. I run community engagement at AWS, uh, and I'm thrilled to be here and talking about 97 Things Every Cloud Engineer Should Know, which has been published for a while now. So, um, we've all, we've all got our copies right here. Excellent. Excellent. Amazing. I should have brought one. <laughs> Nathan, please. Hi there, everyone. My name is Nathan Harvey. I'm a developer advocate with Google Cloud. Uh, and I focus most of my time on the Dora research program. Maybe you've heard of Dora. She's an explorer. No, 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 not that Dora. I mean the uh, the designated outdoor research refreshment area in Ohio. Wait, that's where you can carry around a free open, open container. No, 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 that's not the right Dora either. Uh, Hold on. The Digital Operational Resilience Act? No, no, that's the EU. That's not here. Oh, right. Dora, DevOps Research and Assessment. That's what I like to focus on. And I do research all the time and help teams understand and apply that research so that they can get better at software delivery and operations performance. Not the Delaware Orangutans and Raccoons Association. Nice, nice. Another one for me to add to my list. Yes. Awesome. That was a really good intro. That was solid. Excellent. So um, we are here today to talk about 97 things every cloud engineer should know. Um, it's I have I have several questions, uh, but first off, I want to say that I loved reading this book. Um, as as an old hat to to this industry, as a crusty battle scarred veteran, going through this and seeing a bunch of validations to to long uh hill fought upon battles that i've had in my past um this was this was a fantastic read i i have i have a ton of notes because as i was going through it i was also like putting aside little gems and nuggets that i'm going to now be talking with my customers about i'm like yes this was very succinctly Amazing. put i'm like yes 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 check 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 oh my god i need to talk to everybody about this so so when you when y'all asked me to come on and, and be a host for this Hearts. I was I was so happy about that. So um, the the first thing that I wanted to get into, and and this is this is popcorn. Feel free to grab whichever, whichever um, uh, talking point we want to talk about. Um, how did how did this book come to be? Like, what was what was the genesis, and where where did you guys figure out this thing needs to be a thing in the in the universe? Yeah. 
Can I, can I tell you the true and authentic story? No, lie to <laughs> us, make it good. <laughs> I mean, I could like, give you a like polished version of this. Um, I was chatting. So I was, I had written DevOps for Dummies and in the high you get after writing a book. So writing a, a book is a big, big lift and it's kind of torture, but then it gets published and it's like, I did it. I'm an author. You feel really good about yourself. And in that moment, I talked to Kathleen Carr, who is incredible. She's just an amazing human being. And at the time she worked for O'Reilly and she said, we're doing these, this series of 97 things. Uh, we think we should do a cloud engineer one. Are you interested? And I said, sure. Cause that was the right answer. I guess. Um, so we, we set out to do this and 97 things is interesting because, you know, Nathan and I are more curators or editors of it. Uh, we did not write these articles. And so there were submissions from the community, um, around a bunch of different categories. And I, I thought it was, it was just exciting to hear voices from the community. It's something I'm super passionate about. Awesome. So we, we kick it off and then um, a little thing, you may have heard of it, called COVID hit the world. And uh, mm. I turned in <laughs> to a, a sad little troll. And I remember I was sitting in my backyard in a hammock. I bought myself a hammock because like, I'm an extrovert. I need people. So the start of COVID was not a fun time for me. Like the first two weeks, I was like, this is fun. We'll order extra wine. It's like a little vacation, whatever. Spend extra time with my little. PTO, yes, um, please. And <laughs> just a minute dragged on. It was like the song. It was just, you know, we're four months in. Um, so I would sit in my hammock and I would like, at some point I was on the phone with someone and I yelled at a squirrel. And the person on the phone was like, Emily, are you okay? I was like, clearly not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> all this to say, <laughs> um, the the project started to, to suffer and taper off and I, I was struggling. And so uh, another editor at O'Reilly was like, are you open? I know this, this might be offensive. Please don't take this poorly. Are you open to a, a co- curator co-editor co and i was like and, oh, and a ray of sunshine go. came down oh <laughs> yes please yeah, I was like, i'm not offended i need help so i called uh, nathan harvey who is well known to be one of the best human beings in the world uh and i felt like you would be someone who not only knew a bunch of folks in the community but someone who could inspire uh and help people over the finish line of, of submitting these and so I like to joke that ultimately I got us halfway through and then basically I collapsed. Nathan picked me up on his back and dragged us both over the finish line. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that is how uh, 97 Things Every Cloud Engineer came to be. So it was quite the process. The editors are always patient with me. Um, and Nathan was an incredible partner in this, truly. And, and so now as a, as a true cloud therapist, Nathan, what's your side of the story? <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been furiously I've been furiously scrolling back in my chats with Emily on my phone to try to figure out when it was that she reached out to me. But I I mean we we chat too often. I can't get back that far. I know. Uh, but essentially, uh, when when she reached out to me, I said yes, of course I'd love to help. Wait a minute, nineties? Do we have to write ninety seven things? Uh, that was my first question because um, I don't have ninety seven things that people need to know. 
certainly. Uh, and then she she described the format of the book. And, and just like Emily, I got really excited because this meant that we could reach out to people across the community and really bring in voices that maybe sometimes you haven't heard before or haven't had an opportunity to hear. And the thing I love best about the book is, in fact, that we have so many different authors. And, and, and really, each one of these authors is open to a conversation with you. So we have contact information, LinkedIn or Twitter or what have you in the book for those authors. Find them, reach out, have a conversation. I think that you'll find it's it's always better to talk to more people, get more ideas and insights uh, than you could get from just Emily and myself. Yeah, and um, I'm actually 100% going to take you up on that because I'm going to start pinging these people for for my show. So, <laughs> and 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 ask them more questions too, because um, because you do have a lot of amazing voices in there. I mean, there's so many smart people from all all the walks of IT and and so many. Brilliant. As, as I'm reading these, these papers, I'm just like, wow, this person has been there. They, I, I can, I can see yeah. the scars as I'm reading it and just going through. Uh, one, one person in particular stood out to me. Um, I, I think, I think it was, uh, Chris Short and in, in his, in his paper on changing the attack surface. And he walked through like, did you check this? I was like, oh, oh, he's been there. Oh, boo. I feel for you. <laughs> There was Chris is amazing. Yeah, I love to hear that. There, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, like like I said, I've got like so many like little nuggets of things that were just wow. That's that's just truly a, a truly impressive pedigree of people that you've brought to the table here. How 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 did that come to be? How did did you did you recruit these folks? Did O'Reilly come in and get them for you and brought them in? And then you had like a thousand things that you had to then call down to ninety seven. We definitely had more. Um, well, it kind of ebbed and flowed, right? We didn't have enough. And then you, you kind of push over and you have to select from there. We were lucky in that, um, several folks submitted multiple ideas. Uh, and that was able, we were still able to highlight, uh, the vast majority of folks just maybe on one topic, not all, all three or, or whatever. I think the, the gift of this series and of the book is that it not only gives a voice to people, like Nathan was saying, that don't always have a platform or a little less known in the industry and who deserve incredible credit, but they also come to this with experiences, passions, points of views that we can't possibly have as individuals, right? And so in this is sort of collection of stories, you're able to get all of those perspectives, which I think is incredible. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and I I totally agree. It's It was, there were certainly some authors that O'Reilly was already working with. And they said, hey, why don't you pitch in an article for this particular book? And they did that. And that was awesome. Uh, and it was also, I think there was an open call for contributors. And I know personally that Emily and myself reached out to people that we know across the community. And I'm glad that you highlighted, Chris, there that there are lots of like well-experienced authors in the book. But I think it's also important to remember that we have brand new voices to cloud as well. In fact, I think the last, yes, the 97th thing was from Rachel Sweeney from zero to cloud engineer in less than a year where Rachel shared her story of how she got into cloud engineering. In, in a, less than a year ago. And that was, that was the perfect way to end the book, in, in my opinion. Like, like, and you can do all of this too in, in one year or less. <laughs> it, it, exactly. We want to make this open to everyone. Now, in a year, you 
hopefully won't have all of the battle security scars that Chris Short has and shares in his <laughs> in his chapter. But you know, hopefully you can spread the timeline of those out a bit. But I think it is really important that we have those voices as well. Because to me, those are those are super inspiring. Definitely. Inspiring. And my favorite aspect of having someone who is either new to a specific uh, area of expertise or the industry in general, they ask the best questions yes. and they shake up this knowledge bias, the assumptions that we all operate in. You know, simply asking, what does that acronym mean? is incredibly powerful to align a folk group of people around true meaning, not just a, a word or what we think is something, because uh, we all kind of experience from our own own perspectives. Uh, but yeah, they, they're super powerful in that way. Yeah, having, I, I, so I call it beginner brain. When when you come in and you try to like ask the, the fundamental questions to make sure that everybody's on the same page, instead of just assuming that everybody knows like, the, oh, of course, of course, this is how we do it. This is how everybody does it. Eh, it's not, you know, we got, you got this pizza team over here and this, you know, this pizza team wants pineapple, this one, you know, whatever. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a pizza analogy because I haven't had lunch yet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I like your beginner brain is such, so much more pleasant and, and lovely than mine. I call it I as idiot as a service. <laughs> <laughs> In inquisitor, inquisitor, inquisitor as a service. Yeah, but that reminds me of like uh, I'm going back to Goya, the Spanish Inquisition. Like, no, thank you. How do we go from beginner brain to the Spanish Inquisition to Goya beans? I'm, I, I I don't know how we did that. This is my brain. Goya <laughs> the painter. Goya painted. Those oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he started a bean. Then he started a bean empire, don't you know? Busy. He was very... Did you know that apparently Pythagoras, the actual dude, he was apparently afraid of beans? Afraid of them. I don't know if this is true. Yeah, there's a story about him stopping. He ran it. He was running from someone. He comes up to a bean field. He stopped because he was so fearful of Terrified beans. of the, the dreaded bean. Yeah. Oh. Well, I don't want to know what kind of bean. All right. Let's get back to the book, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> You said it was popcorn that I could take whatever flavor I wanted, and I did. Yes, ma'am. All right. Emily Freeman, everybody. Okay. Uh, so um, editing a compilation is different than writing an actual book. Um, I'm assuming. I, I, I have no experience with either one of those things. Um, I've... But but um, Emily, obviously, you're a published author uh, when when you were doing that and then you were coming down from the euphoria and agreeing to all of these other books um, in, in your in your dazed state is is creating a compilation like this significantly different from write, writing your own thing from whole cloth or is it or is it similar? It's very, very different. And I think. They're both hard for different reasons, and it probably depends on your personality as to which you would be better at. So anyone who actually knows me or works with me, including everyone on this call, knows that I'm not always responsive. <laughs> My email <gasps> response rate is kind of it's, it's in the zero percentage somewhere around there. <laughs> it's all part of my plan to get them to to get me an EA. Like if I suck at email bad enough, eventually they're like, can you get someone to help her? With Is she still alive? We need um, to do a safety check. And then, yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> it's like, so 
I, all that to say, I am not the most organized person as far as a lot of things, but mostly administration, like keeping track of things, following up with people. This is not my strength. Um, I think of the two of us, Nathan is much stronger in that area. And it's one of the reasons like 97 things would not exist without Nathan. Um, but writing a book from scratch is easier in some other ways because you're not having to make some of those upfront decisions or figure out like one. We had two challenges with 97 things, which was what are the big categories? Like, what are the things that we want to make sure are touched upon in the book? And how do we organize it? Because you have all these different voices. How do you organize it so there is some level of continuity, right? It doesn't feel like this, like popcorn analogy, you know, where you're just popping through different random ideas. Um, so that was definitely more challenging than coming from a single point of view and being able to write from your own voice. Uh, but obviously, you know, writing a book, I, I have talks about this, writing a book is torture. Don't do it. Don't. <laughs> Nathan, what do you think? Yeah. So I, I've, uh, I've written plenty of things, but never like actually a book. I've obviously participated in 97 things. I've contributed to some other published works. Um, and I think that being a curator for 97 things in particular, Emily mentioned that we had some, we had more articles than we could accept, uh, which is just heartbreaking because we have great content that we can encourage people to go and publish on their blog or elsewhere, but we couldn't fit it into the book. It kind of, to me, is very reminiscent of uh, curating a conference where, as Emily said, you want some continuity of a story, like a through line of story for that conference when you have conference talks. Uh, the same with this book. And then, of course, there's the whole, um, you know, you're, you're seeding control. You need to convince some of these authors to finish the piece that they need to write. And uh, most of the authors are at least a little bit better at responding to email than Emily, but you know, it, we're all human and we all have like, we all have, uh, or we're all overworked. And as Emily mentioned, this book was written in 2020. Uh, there was a lot, there was a lot going on around the globe. Uh, and least of which uh, was prioritizing maybe uh, an article for a book sometimes. Gotcha. So, so speaking to that point, um, the, the way that you staggered out the sections, you have fundamentals, architecture, migration, security, compliance, operational reliability, software development, cloud economy, and measured spending, automation, data, networking, organizational culture, and personal and professional development. How, how, how did that, I mean, that, that's a lot. And, and, how how did how did you bucketize? How did you tell that story? I can tell when I'm reading the last story of one section how it's kind of related to the first story of the next section. So I I loved the way that the that mental shift happened in there. But what where where were you? What was your thought process around these buckets? I think I think to start off, our thought process was cloud engineering. What do you need to know? Uh, well, you need to know uh, a little bit of everything. And there's, there is just so it, the surface area is so wide and broad that it's, it's really difficult to just sum everything up. Uh, and so I think that Emily and I really kind of sat down and brainstormed a bunch of these categories. Then we looked at the contributions that we had. We've, and this was before we had all of the contributions in. We found places where we were lacking in some contributions, but this was where, oh, I know a person 
who is deep in security, or I know someone that's in cloud economics, let's pull them in and make sure that we have their story together. And then in terms of laying it out in terms of like the progression of how the sections went, uh, I'm not sure I have a good answer on how, how we actually came to that. Yeah. I remember we had a Google sheet and we were, <laughs> we were furiously uh, typing into that and trying to organize this. I also want to highlight one of the, the, benefits of going through a publisher is that they help, right? So we had incredible editors and uh, folks helping us to organize this and make it a fully fledged book. That would be a great experience for a reader. It, it does. It does flow very well. I mean, for, for having 97 different voices in, in the book, it, it's the, the, the continuity of it and, and the fact that everybody stuck with, with the phrase cloud engineer and then first defining it, what a cloud engineer is at the, very, at the very beginning so that everybody was like, oh, I'm not a cloud engineer. Oh, no, I actually am a cloud engineer. I, 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 that, I, I, I loved the way that, that that flowed. Whether that was intentional or unintentional, I applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So, so um, speaking to that, and, and I know that nobody wants to, you know, pick a favorite child or anything like that. Were there, were there stories in there that, that resonated more or that you loved more? I'm not going to ask which ones you liked less because that's not fair, but is, is there, is there, was there, was there certain things in there that like, yeah, oh, you nailed that. I think for me, the ones that resonate, obviously I, I have a strong bias toward the human aspect of our socio-technical systems. I think the ones that really focused around that, how to make ourselves better, how to make our systems better for us to operate within, you know, it, it's great to have, um, percent uptime or whatever it is for you, but, but if it's horrible going to work every day, what's the point of this? Mm, yep. Um, and so, you know, the ones that really kind of helped level up folks, and then the, the ones that align with just my experiences, right? You said you, you with Chris's article, it wasn't just that he had those battle scars. I'm sure you, you identified in, in some of those shared experiences. And so um, some of the stories that had similarities to my own experiences certainly resonated with me just because it, it brought me back to a previous time. Yeah, I, I, I definitely lean on those that, that speak to the human aspects. Um, there are a couple that I certainly come back to and are quoting all of the time. And those are the ones that I think really challenge how we think about things. Uh, for example, uh, article number 42, <laughs> J. Paul Reed. J. Paul Reed revisiting the R's of SRE, I think was, uh, was really interesting. I talk a lot with people about SRE uh, and his approach to reminding us all that reliability and resiliency and, and robustness, and these are all different words and they have different meanings. And we, we need to understand them in context and how do we approach them. And then also certainly things around automation, red, green refactor for infrastructure from Annie Hedgeth. Yep. That is, you know, uh, as, a, as, a, as a former system administrator, I remember very deeply the conversations that I had with developers saying, hey, you should write some tests for all that infrastructure as code, code that you're writing. And I knew, I knew at that time that what I was good at was writing Nagios alerts. And what I would be really bad at is writing a test. Uh, and I also had been in conversations with developers over lunch and listening to them argue about what makes a good test and a bad test. And so when they said add tests, I said, no, no way. I'm not going to sit down and argue with you about that. I'm just going to write better monitors. 
Uh, and it took some time for me to develop as a professional to recognize the power of testing and catching things earlier. And I think Annie's article really helps sort of reinforce some of those lessons for me. It was like a walk down memory lane almost. I think a lot of these, a lot of these articles, it, it probably ended up being the advice the author would have liked to have 10, 5, 15 years ago, whatever the distance yep. is. Uh, and I think that it's an incredibly powerful thing. Like, it, it does, Nathan. Sometimes it takes us a minute to, to feel comfortable implementing um, not just a new technology, but a new sort of style of work. Yep, absolutely. Taking a new approach, putting yeah. in a new practice. It takes time. And, and, and we know, we know from experience and from research, when you try that new thing, the first thing you're likely to do is trip. Mm. Yeah. And that's okay. Get back up and keep moving forward. It's, it's over, like, we call these things practices for a reason, right? Yes. You, you have to practice them. You have to put them into practice. It's that, it's that practice that helps you uh, hone the skills that you have. Practice doesn't make perfect, but it makes better. Sorry, Chris, I keep No, talking. no, it's okay. You're, you're Emily Freeman. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Except for on email. email. <laughs> you already do that anyway, Emily Freeman. What do you think about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, okay, it's funny that you mentioned <laughs> Annie because um, that that was one of my light bulb things. So so I've we've, we've all heard of test-driven development, and, and I was like, oh, <gasps> TDD for infrastructure. Bing. I was like, oh my gosh. And, and so, so that was one. So like I said, I have, I have a ton of different nuggets. One of the things that I really like though, um, as you were compiling this list of, of authors and, and getting all of these amazing papers in there was, was the expression of vulnerability and, and the admitting that we don't know everything uh, from, from a lot of them, from a surprising number of them. Uh, Mich Michelle Brenna's article uh, in it, she says, nobody understands I am. And, and I was like, oh, it's not just me. And, and I, I felt so not, not vindicated, but I was, it was like, okay, if, if, if she can say that out loud, then I can, I can admit that. I think that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, I think finding those, you know, kindred spirits, we're all, we're all in this together. And I think, frankly, when I, when I meet with Emily, I think she's very open and vulnerable. I, tr I, I try to be that way myself. And I think that that really does come through in all of the authors here. I think that, you know, inspiration is one thing and it's important. Commiseration is just as important, right? No one has figured this out. I'm not alone. But I do have, back to what I said earlier, Chris, I do have people I can reach out to, a community of people that I can reach out to and maybe have a discussion about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is, this is random, but this um, piqued my interest. The recent Nobel Prize, I think in physics went to these folks. It's the, um, what, it's like the connection, the, does anyone know what I'm talking about? The, the, the like, quantum, the, the, yes, the quantum, the quantum entanglement. connections. Yes. Quantum yes. entanglement. Thank you. Thank you. Um, which now I'm just thinking about <laughs> entanglement. It's fine. There's a meme. Um, quantum entanglement, the concept of it, I don't fully understand, but it, it brought up to me, this concept of, you know, we teach in school from a very young age facts. We say, this is, these are facts. This is what we know. And you need to know these things. And I think then we come out of the school system, which truly is based on Victorian principles, right? It has not evolved to the, to our, our modern society. 
we come out and then we're expected suddenly to know how to think and to explore and feel comfortable with the unknown. And, you know, for me, it took me 10 years to figure out that I could say, I don't know, and have that be okay, or, or be really vulnerable about um, my strengths and my weaknesses. And I think for me, I think our school system and society in general would be so much better if instead we took the approach of, hey, uh, we don't really know what's going on. These are our theories. We're going to tell you, bring you up to speed, and then you can take it from here. And maybe you were wrong. Maybe you'll do better. You know, I hope the next generation does better. I hope that the engineers who come up after me do better. Change, change my code. I'm sure Prove it's us wrong. Like, <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> evolution is important. Um, but we don't often talk about the sort of aging aspect of that, of, of having things fall away and having things go out of style and how that might impact us as individuals. So with that, it's yes, there's this commiseration, there's this community of being open and honest. Um, and it's only in that place that you can really share a lot of this information and be open to learning. That's when you can kind of really open yourself to change and to become better. Emily Freeman, are you suggesting that curiosity and critical thinking and being able to admit that you're wrong are positive and good traits? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's that's crazy talk. This is bananas. This interview's over. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I was really mad at y'all. <laughs> and I'm fired. Okay. Um. <laughs> it's true though. You oh, know? 100%. I think we're, we put so much emphasis on being right. Uh, and I, in my <laughs> my uh, elder millennial age, I I've sort of come to this theory of it's not about being right. It's about coming together and really finding a solution together. Elder millennial. I'm going to get you like a Gandalf staff. You can t carry to your, to your, to reinvent. Yes. Thoughts, Mr. Harvey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I got I nothing. I think, <laughs> I think, I think what Emily talks about also appears in the book, right? How do we learn from incidents and failures and how do we have like as, as organizations actually practice things like blameless postmortems or blameless incident reviews. And I'm also just struck by this thought of, you know, the thing that helps, uh, unfortunately, but, but the reality is the thing that helps a team bond is going through a tough time together. I remember, you know, when you have someone new on your operations team, when you go through the first incident or outage with that person, coming out of that, we're now much closer connected. And so having that sort of the fellow travelers that we have going through similar things, I think that that really helps create those bonds and exposes the vulnerabilities that we all have and allows us to move past them into this stage of learning and, and thinking about how can we improve. Yeah. If you've never seen a traditional like, Japanese craftsman make a Japanese teapot from hand, highly recommend go watch a video. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful to watch. But it's very interesting because to put the spout or the handle on, what you have to do is you have to scratch up the clay. And it's only on those scratches that it bonds together and it sticks. And I really think that humans are just like that. We don't bond over, hey, look at my gorgeous home. Look at my great life. Look at my cool job title. We bond over, I had a really hard time 
this is, you know, some of my childhood trauma, whatever, whatever it happens to be, that is how humans actually form really tight connections and really tight bonds. Uh, so I completely agree with them. It's about those sort of shared experiences. I think that I think that we all have. So I, I call them uh, foxhole buddies, the the folks that you've been to the war with, that you've spent time in the foxhole with, like the, the guys that are up with you at 3 a.m. when when that when that pager comes goes off and and it's all hands on deck. I, I still chat with with friends and colleagues from from, you know, 20 years ago that are that are my old foxhole buddies that you know, we just get together and, you know, have a drink and remember that time when. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's what, that's what it is. It's, it's all about, you know, that, that connection and being able to admit that, you know, you made a mistake being vulnerable and then, and then learning from those things because no, nobody's perfect, especially the ones that pretend that they are. Yes. <laughs> Chris, as you're saying that, I'm just trying to think about an analogy that works well. That's, that's maybe less war related. <laughs> uh, and the thing, that, the thing that popped into my mind is Go back in time, if you will, to maybe being a high school student and going to the dance-a-thon. Like, you, we danced for 24 hours. Like, we're all in this together, <laughs> and we're all exhausted by the end of it. We're probably fighting with our best friend. But, you know, tomorrow, it, it, after we've had a little nap, we're, we're good. We're back together. So maybe maybe instead of a foxhole buddy, you have a dance marathon partner. And, and that's, that's the people that you went through the tough time with. Can you educate me on what a dance is? I was about to ask Wait, the exact same question. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, oh great, great. So now, I've just, so now I've just exposed my age. All right. So back in Remember my day. Remember the sock hop kids with the poodle skirts? Did, did, did you, you have to wear a poodle skirt? When we were in high school, we would put on poodle dresses and uh, patent leather shoes. And we would go and we would dance. And you would raise money. It's like... You know, sometimes you run, get like your kids potato. run or something, and you're like, oh, I'll get, I'll get 20 cents per mile if I run this marathon or whatever. Well, it was a way to raise money, and you danced all night. You basically got locked in the cafe gymatorium, and you spent 24 hours there dancing all night long. I've never you, heard you, cafe either, yeah. but oh, my God, yeah. it's so true. Yeah. It is cafe What What else is it? I, I think we've all learned a lesson here. It's the friends we made along the way. It <laughs> is. It is. Also, the cafeteriaum is, you know, it's it's kind of like DevOps. I mean, DevSecOps, because it's not just a cafeteria and a gym. It's a cafeteriaum. It's yes. also an auditorium. So, like, yes. DevOps doesn't work. We have to include security. So, it's DevSecOps. Yeah. And now we just get to the ridiculous part of this episode. Why so have it hurt you when you can have a turducken? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. we didn't even get into our CCOE argument. This is this is bananas. <laughs> oh, don't start oh, there. Can, he's getting all prickly like a porcupine. I'm, I'm ready now. I'm ready now, Chris. We're, we're, go, we're going to the foxhole. <laughs> now, now you're ready for war. <laughs> now, now I'm ready for war. Okay. Um, uh, one last one, one last little little tidbit. Um, what did creating this book, editing this book, bringing this book into life. What did it teach you? That is a great question. I think it didn't teach me this, but it reinforced to me how incredible our community is. I'll talk to people in other industries. You know, it's not like nurses have this type of community or pharmacists or whomever. Electricians don't come together and share how to do this kind of thing. We have a really unique remarkable community. And the fact that we not only know all of these things, but are willing 
to share and actually get joy out of sharing how we solve problems and how we do better with each other. I'll, I'll never, every time I have trouble at, at work or I'm frustrated or whatever, I come back to that. And that is forever my North Star of the incredible people in this industry who genuinely care. I, I mean, we, we're just the luckiest people in the world. We truly are. Yeah, plus plus one hundred to that for sure. It is it is about the community of of practitioners that we are all you know connected and learning from one another. I think Emily also mentioned earlier that the you know in writing a book, it is impossible to understate the power of an editor and an editorial team and a, and a, and someone to push you to get get the thing shipped, get that done, uh, and then to help you make it better. And I think, frankly, that's just a demonstration of, of what this book is. It was a community of people coming together, helping each other, lifting each other up, and offering that wisdom, those insights to the, to the rest of the community. And I think that's just so powerful. I, I 100% thought Nathan's response was going to be, never write a book with Emily Freeman. But uh, <laughs> this is what I learned from I, myself. I, <laughs> I may be unresponsive, but when I'm there, I'm filled with joy. <laughs> and Emily's was going to be no. never write a book during the pandemic. <laughs> I Well, that would be advice. I still owe everyone a book, by the way. Like, it's coming. I'm just slow. Um, if recovering from burnout. I could write a book on recovering from COVID burnout, which some people seem to have just popped out of. Like, no. they, they had no problem. And I'm still... Like, I don't know about this whole thing. Like, people? I'm not sure. Um, I also, you know, if you think I am bad at responding to emails, trying to get, like, a chapter turned in from me, it takes a special kind of person. <laughs> that At some point, the editors were sending, I think Kathleen was sending me pictures of saints to try and, like, Catholic guilt me into doing things. <laughs> Saint Christopher, I knew the I was in trouble patron saint of travel, yeah. is requesting your <laughs> chapter. We started with a part of it. Yeah, yeah. We started with some of the, like, lower, you know, uh, and then when we got to, to Mother Teresa, I was like, oh, I'm late. I'm late. We got to go. <laughs> the, the, the editor saint escalation criteria. Uh-huh. You, you don't yeah. ever want to get to Mary. Once you get to Mary, you're just, oh, you're, you're done. You're absolutely yeah. done. You're at full. You're at full. full Catholic you better guilt. start saying your health Full Mary's. guilt. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not good. All right. Was was there anything else that, that you wanted to say about the book, about life in general, about each other and anything that you wanted to, to, to bring to light as we as we get ready to wrap this up? I mean, I guess the, the, the one thing I'll, I'll bring up is, you know, the book did happen during COVID, uh, but COVID wasn't the only thing that happened to 2020. I think that there were there was a lot there were a lot of social struggles uh, and the book is dedicated to Black Lives Matter. And uh, today, more than ever. That is absolutely the case. Black Lives Matter. Um, and it was really uh, clear, I think, to a lot of new people how important Black Lives are and how Black Lives truly do matter. Uh, as we were writing this book, there was a little bit of an awakening, uh, a long overdue awakening across our society. And I'm really happy that people have, have had that. And uh, while the pandemic ends, uh, ends in air quotes, uh, this this uh, care and love and respect that we have for our fellow humans, I think that will stick with us for a long time. I certainly hope so. Also, couldn't say it better. 
Nathan Harvey, Google Dev Advocate Extraordinaire, uh, Emily Freeman, Twitter superstar, and and uh, <laughs> just just a that's it that's, 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 that's it that's that's basically it. A, AWS that's my uh, AWS employee extraordinaire. Uh, you're all right, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I want a t-shirt. All right, I guess. The <laughs> world's okayest engineer. <laughs> I love uh, it. Th thanks for coming on. It was it was a pleasure talking about you. It was a pleasure reading the book. Um, it, I I really enjoyed it. I've I've already given it to all of my my uh, the, my colleagues at the office, saying pick this up, start scraping out all the, the gems of wisdom that are in here because there's, there's so much, there's so much good stuff in there. I mean, you know, getting to dip into somebody else's experiences is always hugely valuable. Seeing problems from different facets of life and, and different experiences is always the way that we level up and skill up. So, so it was, it was truly a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. And to everyone watching and listening, there are 97 things so that there's room for the three that you want to share with the community. Aww. So please write down your three, publish them on Twitter, on your blog, on a TikTok, but share the three nuggets of wisdom that you have about a cloud engineer. Do you want to say where people can see, find you? See, I mean, it's one of the best yes. humans that ever lived. Like, are, are, you, are you seeing this? He, he's blowing you out of the water, Em. You got to step up your game. I know. <laughs> I don't even compete. I know. When I'm like, how how to be nicer, Emily? I think about it. What would Nathan do? I do. Yes. So where, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Nathan Harvey. But I must warn you, uh, my father misspelled all of his children's names. So it's N-A-T-H-E-N-H-A-R-V-E-Y on Twitter. Thanks, Dad. Uh, love you still. Um, yeah. So find me on Twitter, Nathan Harvey. I, I have to tell you, you're my only true like Nathan that I interact with a lot. And I had to write Nathan the other day and I spelled it your way, not the normal, like our, not normal, I'm trying to remove that word in my life, uh, the more traditional way. Um, and yeah, I was like, well. You made I'm my good. father smile that day, Emily, I'm sure. See, there you go. He's like, see, it was right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at editing Emily. Uh, yes, I used to be a writer and an editor. Uh, and I'm trying TikTok. Okay, so um, I'm not good at it. I'm not that funny. Well, I'm funny, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to join the yeah. TikTok community. It's a talk community. My daughter was like, <laughs> my daughter the other day was like, you're boring. I was like, I am a lot of things, but I am not boring. You take that back right now. <laughs> you go to your room right um, now. So I'm, I'm fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do not go to your room. I'm boring. I am an interesting human being. Did uh, Brooke talk on about TikTok, that? I am. <laughs> Brooke and uh, Linda on my team. So Brooke, Jameson, and of course they Linda. Did. Of course they did. <laughs> yes. Uh, they're incredible. And so on TikTok, I am that Emily Freeman. Awesome. All right. Well, folks, thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking with both of you. Um, have a wonderful day. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GoTo Podcast. Head over to gotopia.tech to discover lots more content from the brightest minds in software development.